now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day despite the fact that President Trump has put on his social media platform, uh, Truth Social, the idea that he expects that new indictments will be coming down for him any day now uh, regarding January 6th. Plus, uh, there's the word from the prosecutor in Fulton County, Georgia, Fawny Willis, that uh, she is going to be down uh, with her sweeping, apparently, series of indictments for racketeering and other issues against President Trump concerning the attempt to overturn the election in Georgia. Uh, that will be coming down sometime in the next three weeks. What does it all mean? Where do we stand? Uh, legally, where do we stand? And is it going to work for the Trump camp to basically postpone uh, these uh, trials, and there are many of them, uh, past the election date? Uh, the best person or one of the best people, I think, to talk to about that is John Yu. Uh, he is not only a distinguished academic, a professor of law at the University of California Law School, not only a former official in the Justice Department, high-ranking, uh, he is also the author of uh, the new Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court, just published, and uh, part of that series uh, that's illustrated with a little pig because it's Politically Incorrect Guide, that stands for pig, that's the acronym. Uh, that uh, Politically Incorrect Guide series. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, John, congratulations on the brand new book. And uh, congratulations on your position on a special prosecutor for Hunter Biden. Uh, why, why is that so important? And by the way, Andrew McCarthy agrees with you. I agree with you. Uh, it it really doesn't do to have the Department of Justice, which uh, reports to, to Joe Biden, uh, investigating Joe Biden's son, does it? Well, Michael, thanks, uh, and thanks for inviting me to join you again. And you got it exactly right. Under our Constitution, uh, the president is the chief law enforcement officer. So what happens when the chief law enforcement officer has to investigate himself or his family or his closest aides? It's come up before. I mean, the most famous is it was Watergate. Uh, and I think it's come up again, unfortunately. Uh, I think you're getting more and more credible information that uh, Hunter Biden, you know, the president's son, might have committed federal crimes. And that's going to create a conflict of interest at the Justice Department especially, especially when some of those crimes allegedly might have involved the knowledge of the president himself. I don't know if that's true or not, but you start to hear those allegations coming out of congressional investigations. And so it's not just in the best interests of, you know, President Biden's opponents in Congress that there be a special counsel. It's actually in President Biden's own interest, because then he doesn't have to answer claims that he interfered with the investigation. And you're hearing some of those claims coming out now about this failed plea bargain in Delaware. 
And it also makes sure that equal justice is done, that uh, prosecutions and investigations are done equally and impartially without any uh, favor towards the person who happens to be the president. Uh, meanwhile, there is a great deal of talk. In fact, President Trump spoke about it in his rally Saturday in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, he suggested that he would support primary challengers to any Republicans who voted against impeachment of Joe Biden. Uh, do you believe that uh, uh, potential impeachment charges in the House of Representatives and or at least an impeachment inquiry is appropriate under these circumstances or would it be a more appropriate, more constructive path to take to uh, simply designate a special counsel? You know, Michael, what you point out is that the two questions are linked. The more that it appears that federal prosecutors are not vigorously pursuing these allegations against Hunter Biden or even Joe Biden, the more demand you have for a special counsel. And if you don't appoint a special counsel, then the only thing left for our system to do is to start an impeachment inquiry. Uh, now, the thing is, impeachment is not an easy question because, you know, just again, I don't know if this is true or not, but going off of the allegations made, uh, a lot of this conduct occurred before President Biden took office in 20, after the 2020 elections. I'm not sure impeachment, that you can impeach a president for things he did before he was president. Uh, that might just be up to the normal criminal justice system. Now, and this is why the special counsel is important for President Biden, is if it turns out, though, that President Biden is interfering in some way or obstructing in some way the investigation into Hunter Biden or the Biden family, that is impeachable. If you go back to Watergate, that's what President Nixon was going to be impeached and removed from office for, not for you know, actually ordering the break into the Democratic Party headquarters in Watergate, but for trying to obstruct the investigation, you know, for the cover-up. You know, as they say in Washington, the cover-up is sometimes much worse than the crime. And so unless, Pre I mean, President Biden has a number of way, you know, exit ramps, as you want to, if you want to call it, that he can uh, appoint a special counsel. But if he doesn't, it's almost driving the system towards some other solution. And unfortunately, that's impeachment. Well, and, and again, you bring up the Nixon era. We had a vice president of the United States who was guilty of a, a disgusting, gross crimes, uh, taking bribery, taking <laughs> little uh, paper bags filled with cash, and uh, Spiro Agnew. But all of that occurred before he became vice president. So he was never a target of impeachment. He was a target of prosecution. And uh, and was forced to resign. That was part of the plea bargain. Was his resignation as vice president. And then Gerald Ford was appointed as his successor. Uh, doesn't some of that because the the allegations that are most serious about Joe Biden have to do not with the time he served as president. It was before he served as president. So that's as you as you pointed out, an uncomfortable fit with the remedy of impeachment, no? Yes, I think that's right. I mean, impeachment is for you know, treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors. And if President Biden 
you know, between 2016 and 2020, he's a private citizen. He can't commit those acts. Um, he wasn't an, in the office. He wasn't in, in the an office of the United States. He wasn't president or vice president. So he uh, really isn't covered by the impeachment clause, I don't think. Um, this is exactly the same argument, mind you, that people like Senator Mitch McConnell, the majority leader then, gave for not impeaching President Trump the second time. Because by the time the second impeachment trial came up, Trump wasn't in office anymore. Biden was president, and Republicans in the Senate said, well, he's not, Trump's not in office either, so we can't impeach him at that point. It's the same, I think it's the same. The impeachment is for people who are in office, and they're so bad that you have to remove them right away. That's what impeachment's really for. And uh, in terms of the new batch of, uh, of indictments that have come out in Florida regarding uh, the... Uh, uh, classified documents and the new uh, indictments that are due any day in Washington, D.C. from Jack Smith, and we have the new indictments from Fonnie Willis. Which of those are going to be the most serious handicap, if any of them would be, to Trump's election as president uh, for another term? We will get to that with the legal ramifications of what's going on. Uh, with the author of the politically incorrect guide to the Supreme Court, Professor John Yu of University of California at Berkeley, coming up on the Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. On the Michael Medved Show, a uh, pleasure to be speaking with John Yu, his delightfully irreverent and informative book, uh, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court, of which John Yu is the co-author. It's uh, just out, just released. It's uh, posted on our website at michaelmedved.com. And, and John, one of the questions about our system of justice, Chris Christie <laughs> made, made the point that by the time of the first GOP debate, which is August 23rd in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, it's entirely possible that President Trump could be out on bail in four different uh, cases in four different jurisdictions. Uh, which of those uh, current uh, prosecutions and potential prosecutions if you were advising President Trump legally, which one represents the most serious and uh, potentially damaging problem for the presidential candidate? Uh, it's really interesting, Michael. I think the one that's most important for the country is January 6th. But that's the one I think that's also the biggest stretch in terms of prosecution based on the facts that we have now that we saw last summer which I think still failed to show a direct link between President Trump and the attack on the Capitol. Meanwhile, I think the case that's not as important for the country is the one that's most dangerous to President Trump, and that is the classified documents case, uh, where, as you recall, President Trump uh, kept documents allegedly uh, that uh, contained highly classified information that he should never have kept after his presidency and should have turned over to the National Archives. You might have seen at the end of last week, we had a what's called a superseding indictment, a new version, you know, indictment 2.0 in that case, 
that came out of the grand jury, and it's pretty damning. Not only does the indictment lay out all these sensitive documents, uh, including an alleged attack plan on Iran that uh, President Trump was showing to reporters, but it also lays out an effort, allegedly again, by President Trump to interfere and obstruct the FBI investigation, ordering aides to try to destroy videotapes and to potentially lie to investigators. Again, the the cover-up is much worse than the crime. But it is. But a he was. He was. He's alleged to have ordered the destruction of these surveillance tapes after they had been requested by the FBI. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I mean, after the grand jury is asking for them, nobody has a right to right to destroy evidence or move it around after it's requested by the government even if you didn't do the underlying crime you still have to you know comply with legitimate requests for information so the government can figure out what happened especially when it involves classified information that we don't want getting out in public okay and uh and in terms of uh Fonny willis and apparently they're talking about there may be 20 different defendants including rudy giuliani in a massive racketeering case uh and they're t they're worried about violence in the streets of Atlanta. Uh, when this breaks, does this become uh, sort of the center stage uh, accusation? I don't think so. And, I, and one reason why is because I think that case is going to get tangled up in appeals and fights between the federal courts and the state courts because this is a state prosecutor who's bringing, as you said, racketeering, fraud charges under state law. But it's against President Trump, I guess, and against President Trump's aides, who, according to her, are trying to interfere with federal elections. So the first question you're going to ask is, well, why isn't the Justice Department investigating that? Why isn't the Justice Department doing that? And in fact, they are. That's part of the January 6th investigation. I could easily see the federal government coming in and saying, hold off, stop in Georgia. Let us finish. You know, the primary investigation is January 6th. You can take care of all this stuff after we're done. So I, I think that'll get a lot of news, but I can't see that as the case that's going to end up uh, interfering in the primary debates or the Republican National Convention. It'll be January 6th or the classified documents cases. Uh, President Trump uh, said um, uh, again uh, Saturday over the weekend, he said that uh, he's going to fire uh, Jack Smith uh, as, as soon as he takes office for his next term. And Nikki Haley saying uh, that she would pardon Trump if he is um, does suffer from any conviction. Do, do you think, I mean, what do you make of the fact that uh, this is already being openly discussed uh, when the the strategy of of the trump defense team seems to be to uh postpone these trials uh as much as they possibly can i think it's a bad idea to start talking about pardons start talking about firing special counsels uh, until we know what the investigators found uh, i we talked about it back at the, in the day but i was a big supporter uh, i said so and we talked about it with each other about the robert Mueller probe because i said robert Mueller was such a respected figure in federal law enforcement, right? he'd been federal, former head of the FBI, that if he cleared Trump of the Russia hoax, as he eventually did, that would be the gold standard. No one could ever question it. 
And I think we should wait to see what Jack Smith comes up with before we talk about pardons, before we talk about uh, firing him. Because the January 6th matter is, I think, it, it is one of the most important federal law enforcement operations in our history. There was an attack on the Capitol, and we do need to know whether there was any link between you know, sitting pre- then sitting President Trump and what happened on that terrible day. What do you make of the possibility, and it's it's not even a remote possibility, that we have simultaneously an incumbent president who is facing impeachment charges, uh, may have even been impeached by the House of Representatives, at the same time that his primary challenger <laughs> is facing uh, four different uh legal proceedings that could end up putting him in prison. Uh, This is so different from anything we've ever had. Yeah, we've never experienced anything like this. Of course, it was quaint until the Trump administration or the Clinton administration to think about impeachment as a possibility that until that point there'd only been one in our history. I guess I said, I think this is some of the reason why I don't like the idea of using prosecutors to resolve policy differences. Because as Amen. say President Biden, if Trump wins, he's going to be dogged by these investigations. Entire presidency is not going to be able to focus on the job he's being elected to do, which is to you know, carry out the best wishes of the American people. And um, but one of the wishes of the American people is for people to know more about the Supreme Court. The politically incorrect guide of the Supreme Court just published, posted at our website at michaelmedved.com. The author, Professor John Yu of University of California at Berkeley, will play you what Nikki Haley had to say about pardoning Trump. And Chris Christie had to say about, well, not pardoning Trump, but putting him in jail. That and more coming up on the Medved Show. Are you feeling tired? Is your stomach up? On the Michael Medved show, uh, there's uh, more about the new Trump uh, PAC, uh, Political Action Committee, uh, to uh, report legal expenses exceeding $40 million. And when you think about what you could do with $40 million, the parks you could buy. Uh, in any event, this is uh, defense costs for President Trump and his associates. Uh, there's also uh, news about another case, a defamation lawsuit. This was a case brought by President Trump, not against him, but it was brought against CNN. A federal judge has dismissed a lawsuit Donald Trump filed against CNN in which the former U.S. president claimed that references in news articles or by the network's hoax uh, hosts uh, to his efforts to overturn the 2020 election, referring to that as the big lie, were tantamount to comparing Trump to Adolf Hitler, and they were defamatory. Uh, Trump had been seeking, uh, seeking punitive damages of $475 million in the federal lawsuit filed last October in South Florida, where else, claiming the references hurt his reputation and damaged his political career. A U.S. Uh, District Judge Rag Singhal, who was appointed by Trump, said uh, Friday in his ruling that the former president's defamation claims failed because the references were opinions and not factual statements. 
Moreover, it was a stretch to believe that in viewers' minds the phrase would connect Trump's efforts challenging the 2020 elections to Nazi propaganda or Hitler's genocidal and authoritarian regime. Uh, the court finds Nazi references in the political discourse made by whichever side to be odious and repugnant, the judge wrote. But bad rhetoric is not defamation when it does not include false statements of fact, Singal wrote. CNN's use of the phrase, the big lie, in connection with Trump's election challenges does not give rise to a plausible influence that Trump advocates the persecution and genocide of Jews or any other group of people. No reasonable viewer could or should plausibly make that reference. Thank you, Judge Singal. Uh, and, and by the way, this is a, a very, very important object lesson for people. The, the one thing that you need to have a successful case for defamation is for the allegedly defamatory statements to be untrue. And the last thing in the world you would think that Trump would want to do would be to actually go to court to uh, try to prove that, oh no, when, when we were talking about President Trump actually winning the election, we had the truth on our side that was correct that uh, it was defamatory to say it was a big lie uh I, I i don't think we're ever going to get a case that brings that issue before a court but uh when we do even for a trump appointee like judge singal who uh uh good for him in in dismissing this case uh but uh i think even someone appointed by president trump uh, who would see that this needs a context. Speaking of context, Chris Christie uh, had this to say about uh, the immediate future for President Trump, presidential candidate. Uh, listen, clip 10. I want voters to listen to this. It is most likely that by the time we get on the debate stage on August 23rd, the front runner will be out on bail in four different jurisdictions, Florida, Washington, Georgia, and New York. Out on bail, Casey. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't even clear the low-class bar that Donald Trump is advocating for. Look, um, I'm running for president because I want to do the big things. I want to make sure that we fix our entitlement programs. I want to make sure that we uh, give parents educational freedom to decide where their kids go to school all across this country. There are big things that we need to do here to lower inflation and to create jobs that are good paying and help people to save money. Um, and he's sitting there at a, a rally for uh, two hours last night talking about his own problems. Okay, he's talking about the rally that he had on Saturday night in Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, then he goes on to talk about the latest charges uh, against Trump, the very latest, uh, that came out on, on Friday regarding uh, the documents and Trump's orders to his underlings to destroy surveillance footage that had been um, demanded by FBI and law enforcement. And uh, here again is Chris Christie on CNN. I'd like to know 
When you look at this new evidence, I mean, is there a clear-cut case of obstruction of justice here? It appears that way, Casey. Uh, you know, you look at it, um, <laughs> it's pretty brazen. Th th these guys were, were acting like the, um, uh, <laughs> the Corleones with no experience. I mean, <laughs> the day after a, um, a, a grand jury subpoena is served, which includes the surveillance tapes, they go down to Mar-a-Lago. And uh, Walt Nada appears to be the Fredo of this family. Uh, they send him to go down there, uh, and uh, they send him to go and delete it. Uh, this is bad stuff. And, you know, you can't say there was no underlying uh, potential crime here. Uh, this was the withholding of confidential, classified information from the government. After 18 months of asking Donald Trump to return it voluntarily, not only did he not return it, he lied about having it. Okay, and uh, meanwhile, with all of this negativity, uh, Nikki Haley uh, is actually uh, talking about pardoning President Trump if he ends up convicted on any of these crimes. This is clip six. Would you still pardon him? Well, I've... What I've said is if he is found guilty, that is certainly showing that it was dangerous to our national security. But I'll take you back to Nixon and Ford. I mean, I think that one of the things we have to look at is not what's in the best interest of, you know, the president, but what's in the best interest of the country. We have to move forward. Mm -hmm. We've got to quit living in the past. And I don't want there to be all of this division over the fact that we have a president serving years in jail over a documents trial. I want all of this to go away. It's why we have to have a new generational leader. It's why we need to move forward. We can't keep living with indictments and court cases and vengeance of the past. We've got to start going forward. American mm -hmm. people are not talking about these indictments. Uh, American people are not talking about these indictments. No, because there are a bunch of American people are talking about potential indictments of uh, President Biden or at least of his uh, of of his son, Hunter. Uh, when we when we come back, uh, we'll we'll also be talking uh, about uh, another area where there is a, a great deal of tension concerning uh, the Supreme Court. I'm talking about the Supreme Court in Israel, where all 15 judges are now going to be involved in uh, reviewing whether they accept the decision of the parliament to uh, reshape the judiciary in that Middle Eastern democracy. We'll be talking to Michael Oren, a former uh, Israeli ambassador to the United States. And we'll also be talking about the issue of teaching black history and uh, a black scholar who says that Barbie is offensively racist and white supremacist. Barbie. Uh, we will get to that and much more coming up on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. All across America. Michael Medved's marvelous, malice-making media machine. This is The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show.
And you can call in to throw in your two cents or even more. Uh, 1-800-955-1776. There's a piece in the Times uh, together with three different photographs that says Haley makes nuts and bolts promises on the trail. And they're not talking about her promise uh, that uh, she spoke about recently about uh, prom uh, pro pardoning President Trump if he ends up convicted and potentially going to prison. Uh, what they write in a piece by Jasmine Uloa, Nikki Haley is not as loud or fiery as some of her pulpit-pounding rivals for the Republican presidential nomination, but her pleas for common sense and experience in the White House often leave crowds wanting more. Her stump speeches often stick to core Republican themes. Here are five of her most reliable applause lines in recent appearances. Uh, she says, when I'm president, we will no longer give foreign aid to countries that hate America. That's a promise. Uh, Ms. Haley, the only Republican woman running in the presidential race, has sought to lean into hawkish stances on China and her foreign policy credentials in an attempt to break out of a crowded field. A favorite anecdote on the stump tells of her tenure under Mr. Trump when she compiled a book revealing that the United States was giving money to countries that often do not support the United States or our interests. The story's function is twofold, positioning her as a tough-talking envoy willing to break from the Washington enter, uh, establishment and someone not afraid to uh, tell Mr. Trump harsh truths. Then the second uh, one of her statements that is apparently a big applause line is she says on her stump speech, instead of 87,000 IRS agents, we'll put 25,000 Border Patrol and ICE agents on the ground and we will let them do their job, which obviously ap appeals to that idea of a more secure border and less unauthorized immigration. And then she says, uh, we will make sure that every member of Congress has to get health care through the VA. You watch how fast it gets fixed. And then the Times comments, perhaps no other line in Ms. Haley's stump speech draws a more passionate response from audiences than this one. She has pledged to tackle veteran homelessness and high suicide rates and to improve veterans' access to health care. The issues are personal for Ms. Haley, whose husband, Michael, is a major in the South Carolina Army National Guard and served in Afghanistan in 2013. This summer, Ms. Haley uh, joined other military spouses in seeing their partners off as they deployed to Africa with the Army National Guard. The military tour is expected to last a year and for most of the GOP primary race. And uh, then she said uh, this, uh, don't you think it's time we have term limits in Congress? We have to do it. We have to have term limits in Congress. And I think we need to have mental health competency tests to anyone over the age of 75. 
Now, this is not going to be easy because you would need a constitutional amendment and you'd need two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate to vote for it. And most of those guys and women, it seems to me, won't vote for term limits, but okay. And then uh, she also says, her other applause line, no more gender pronoun classes in the military. It is demoralizing to make them do that. And then they say, Ms. Haley has faced blowback from Democrats, women's rights groups, and transgender rights activists for proposing the transgender girls playing in school sports in the, is the women's issue of our time. And for appearing to suggest that allowing biological boys and girls locker rooms was connected with high rate of teenage girls who have considered suicide. She has since modified her statements so as not to link the two separate issues, but she has not dropped her focus on gender issues and implications that women are being erased. Johns Hopkins recently came out and defined what a woman was, she said in Hollis, New Hampshire, referring to the research university. Did you see it? They defined a woman as a non-man. And uh, that, of course, got applause for her. Uh, she also uh, spoke even, it seems to me, deftly about climate change, which is a tough issue for Republicans to handle. But uh, she was on Face the Nation when she was asked about it. This is clip five. I think climate change is real. I think that we do have to focus on it. We all want an environment that has clean air, clean water to leave for our kids and our grandkids. But I think we need to be realistic with the American people. I mean, you know, if you really want to deal with the environment, why isn't anyone seriously talking to China and India, who are our biggest polluters? If we want to deal with the environment, John Kerry let's was focus just in on China making sure we're India. not... And what did he come back with? Nothing. He came back with nothing. And China said, we'll deal with the environment on our own hands. That's the problem is the Biden administration has been too nice to China on dealing with this. They're a massive polluter. But let's talk about what we want to do if we want to focus on energy. What we don't want to do is go hat in hand to Saudi Arabia or get dirty oil from Iran or Venezuela. What we do want to do is look at what does transitioning look like? You can't mm -hmm. do it tomorrow. But what you can do is transition. And that's where we say that let's do an all-of-the-above energy approach. Yes, there can be solar. Yes, there can be wind. But you can't do it tomorrow. That's not realistic. And we don't want to be dependent on other countries for our energy needs. So let's be realistic about what it takes. Let's go after India and China and have the rest of the world put pressure on them to say enough is enough. Okay. Again, the level of lucidity and credibility uh, compared to other so-called front runners in uh, in this campaign uh, is impressive, and it's one of the reasons I believe that she will do very well in the debates when the debates happen, and one of the reasons that I hope that uh, President Trump comes up there to contrast because really, what is it you're you're getting when you you get a president is. Ronald Reagan was called the great communicator because he had that abif, uh, ability to speak to people and to persuade. And one of the things that makes a president successful or not successful is precisely that ability. And uh, Mike Pence is also somebody who deserves a little bit of attention at that Iowa dinner 
where he was one of 13 candidates who spoke, uh, he spoke about a federal abortion ban, uh, which was just one of his big issues. This is clip 13. And we can end Biden's radical abortion agenda by doing just what you all did recently here in Iowa, and that is promoting pro-life laws at states across the country. And I believe the time has come for a minimum national standard of a 15-week ban at the federal level. Okay, in other words, what he's talking about, that's exactly what the Supreme Court was reviewing in the Dobbs case, which was the case that got rid of Roe v. Wade. And uh, they were reviewing a Mississippi law that had uh, said that uh, no abortion after the 15th week. And the great advantage of that position, of course, is that the overwhelming majority of abortions today, especially with about half of abortions coming from pills rather than surgical procedures, that over half of uh, all abortions, and in fact, 90% uh, of all abortions, occur during the first 15 weeks, which for people who really do care about some of the evidence of development of the baby, uh, during the course of pregnancy is may not be uh, exactly reassuring, but it, it places the uh, issue in some context. Coming up on the Michael Medved Show, we'll be speaking to Michael Oren, former ambassador from the State of Israel to the United States, about the future of the State of Israel and the current divisions and the possibility of some kind of sweeping deal with Saudi Arabia, which uh, the Biden administration is talking about. And uh, there is more about how we educate kids about race and racism and America's history and whether or not Barbie really is a white supremacist offensive movie. Uh, we'll get to that and more in this 